shifting to my good friend Phyllis Rose. Um, if you've been at the gathering, gosh, like any more than a year, you, you're not a stranger to Phyllis at all. She's the missionary that we support down in Peru. Does amazing work with children in the, in the country of Peru, and we are so honored to support her. I have, um, Wendy and I have had just been friends with her for, I can't say forever because that makes us sound old, you know, and we're not really old, but just for so, such a long time, we've been on staff together at another church, and um, God is just, you ever, do you know people that you just watch them step into their destiny? Have you ever experienced that? Isn't it the most cool thing in the world? And we just kind of had the, uh, just the honor of watching Phyllis just step into, you just kind of go, yeah, that's what you were made to do. And so to have you here this morning is really a, an honor of ours. So come on, gathering. You know how to welcome people to the platform. So give Phyllis a big welcome as she comes. Thank you. It's really good to be here this morning. Uh, thank you, Pastor Paul and Wendy. Uh, I think y'all moved back to Albemarle in 91? Not, oh, 99? Oh, yeah, 91. Yeah, I wasn't even here in 91 yet. Okay. <laughs> but it has been a long time. But it, it's been a... <laughs> but it has been a blessing to know you guys. And uh, I'm very grateful for your friendship. And uh, I'm very honored to be here to share what God is doing in Peru. And uh, if... Uh, you want to turn to Luke chapter 5. I'll be sharing from Luke chapter 5. I want to share from uh, this chapter in Luke, and then I also want to share my testimony with you, and then I also have some pictures from my last four years in Peru that I want to show you as well. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Now, this portion of scripture has been very personal uh, to my life for quite a while now. And uh, that's one reason why I wanted to share it with you this morning. We see here in, in Luke chapter 5 that Simon Peter has worked 
all night long. And he has nothing to show for his work. Now, how many of us can relate to that? You've worked all day. And then the emotions at the end of the day, frustration, exhaustion. Well, I failed at that. And a whole lot of other emotions. We've all been there. And so it's probably not so difficult to put ourselves in Simon Peter's shoes this morning when it comes to our emotions. But aren't you glad today that Jesus knows a lot more about our jobs than we do? He knows a lot more about our jobs than we do. And I guess one of the things that I really like from Luke chapter 5 is that Simon Peter is a fisherman. But on this day, Jesus teaches him how to fish. You see, Simon Peter could have said, wait a second, you carpenter, me fisherman. But that's not what happened. And probably my favorite verse in this portion of scripture is chapter 5, where Simon says, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, how, how many of us here today already know that when Jesus gets in your boat, things are going to change? And that's what happened to Simon on this day. Jesus shows up, and Simon is spent. He's probably ready to just go home. He's exhausted. And Jesus knew this, yet he he asked Simon to go out again and put his nets down in the deep water. And I love his response. Master, we've worked hard all night, and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. How many of us this morning want the response of our heart to be, Master, because you say so? Now, I'm not a mom, but I am a daughter. And I remember as a little girl in elementary school, I was one of those girls that always wanted to know why. A lot of times it didn't matter what my mother would ask me to do. I would always follow up with the question, why? You know, so it was something like this, Phyllis, go make your bed. Why? Is somebody coming over? And she would just look at me. Phyllis, go make your bed. I'm like, Mom, but why? And I remember the day that she got my attention and looked me in the eye, and she said, Phyllis, because I said so. So I went and made my bed, or I took out the trash, and I stopped asking why, because she's the mama. But you know what? When, when the condition of our heart is a willing Master, because you say so. 
things will change in our life. God will use that. God will use that. A lot of times, when we know God is speaking to us, and we do it anyway, even though we don't know all of the details, we don't know, uh, we don't, maybe we don't know why God is asking us to do something. But you know, if we just keep our hearts open to him, and we have that heart that desires to obey, that wants to obey him, God will use that because he honors our submission to him. You see, the miracle in this portion of scripture was because of the authority of Jesus. How many of us know that when the authority of Jesus is in our life and on everything that we do, what we try to do today with that authority of Jesus working in our life can yield completely different results than what we tried to do without him. You see, Simon as a fisherman, he had probably let down those nets in all levels of that water. Fishing wasn't new to him. And he had had a bad night. But Jesus showed up. How many of you this morning can say, I remember when Jesus got in my boat? How many of you are glad Jesus is still in your boat today? How many of us have ever been overwhelmed? Yes. Jesus loves to empower us. And he gets all the glory. He, empa he empowered Simon Peter that day. Because hours before when Simon was pulling up those nets and they were empty. He had nothing to show for his work. But when Jesus showed up, those same hands that pulled up empty nets hours before were now pulling up nets so full of fish that he had to ask for help. And the nets were breaking and the ships were sinking. The boat was sinking. That's what God does. That's what Jesus does when he's working in our life. Now, I remember when Jesus got in my boat. I was a little girl. I was probably about six when I first started riding the bus to Children's Church. I remember one Saturday, two women knocked on our door and asked my mother if she had any small children who wanted to ride the bus to Children's Church. And my mother said, no, thank you, because she didn't know these women. But I'm in the background listening to the conversation, and I speak up, and I say, I want to go, I want to go. And my mother's like, Phyllis, shh, you know, and I'm like, no, Mom, I really want to go. And so I talked her into it. She let me start riding the bus to Children's Church. I loved it. I started learning all of these stories about the Bible, and then a couple weeks later, my sister got invited to the Assembly of God Church, and she came home that Sunday and said, Phyllis, you're not going to believe it, but this church has like six buses. And I said, yeah, but do they have a blue one? And, you know, I, I, to this day, I don't know why blue was important, but it was very important to me. And I only agreed to start going to that church with my sister if they had a blue bus that would pick me up. So when my mother called the church, 
she was asking some questions, and I'm in the background saying, don't forget to ask about the bus. And when my mom gets off the phone, she turns around and she says, okay, Phyllis, the bus is blue and your bus driver's name is Bob. Now, I just want to say a little side testimony here about bus driver Bob. Uh, he is still picking up children on that bus in Great Bend, Kansas, and taking them to Children's Church. And a different bus, of course, than 1976, but he is still doing that. And uh, I just think that is so great. And a lot of the kids on the route now are from um, the areas in town where a lot of the Latin families live that have come from Mexico and El Salvador and Honduras. And so one time when I was back in my hometown visiting, I actually rode the bus route with him one Sunday morning and got to speak to all of these kids on the bus in Spanish. And it was just a, a real great blessing to me to know that that's how I started. It's so important to teach your kids about Jesus because it makes a difference. It makes a difference. Now, it was during those very early years in my life when I was riding the bus to church that I would lay in bed at night and I would think about helping people in another country. Now, I didn't really know how I was going to help these people or when or where, but I had been going to children's church just long enough to know that God was speaking to me. And so I, this went on for, for months and months. And even when, you know, there were some old ladies in my uh, home church in Kansas that, you know, sometimes they would ask, ask us, you know, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I would always say a missionary. And they would respond with, oh, that's nice. And I remember that when I became a teenager, you know, and then on into adulthood, and by this time, I'm making up all these excuses why I can't be a missionary, and I'm telling God excuse after excuse after excuse. I can't learn another language. I can't learn another culture. I can't go and go to another country and leave my family. You know, God, I just can't do that. But, you know, one day, one of those ladies, after I was an adult, came up to me and said, you know, when you were a little girl, you said you were going to be a missionary, so... What's the status on that? And uh, I was just kind of standing there thinking, wow, she just, she just told me, you know. And, you know, my whole adult life, you know, God at points in my life always brought it back to what his call was on my life. But just as he met Simon Peter where he was. God met me where I was. And he'll meet you exactly where you are too. And I remember I was um, working at First Assembly and we had a, a special speaker in one night. And after uh, his message, I was at the altar praying. And before too long, he was standing in front of me and I thought, oh my goodness, God's about to read my mail. And uh, this man began to speak, and he said, he said, I see you holding babies. They're brown babies, they're abandoned, and they're on foreign soil. 
And he said, God is very serious with you tonight, and if you want to know just how serious God is, go and get your passport. That's your step of faith. And I remember the next day I went and applied. And then one day I left work and went to my house and opened up my mailbox, and there it was. There's my passport. And I remember thinking, God is going to do something. And he did. I had emailed a friend that I hadn't been in touch with for several years. Her name is Becky, and I knew her from Kansas uh, before I moved to North Carolina. And she, I remember the Sunday that she got up in front of the church and told about what God was calling her to do and calling her into missions. And she was serving in Honduras, and she's still serving in Honduras today. But she asked me if I would like to come and work with her for two years in Honduras. And God just started opening the doors uh, for me to go uh, to work with her. And so I worked with her in Honduras for two years. And at the end of my two years, I was almost packed up and ready to come back to the States. And I knew that I still wanted to stay in missions. I knew that God had called me for longer than two years. And I had lunch with a friend, a missionary friend in Honduras. And she asked me, she said, Phyllis, have you thought about Peru? And I said, Peru? Well, that's South America. No, I've, I've not thought about it. I chuckled when she asked me if I'd thought about Peru. And she said, well, I just thought I was supposed to mention it. Well, I didn't think about it again after that until a few weeks later when I was in Springfield speaking with my regional director. And we were talking about countries and where I might would go. And before he let me leave his office, he said, wait a second, he buzzed his secretary, and he said, Jeannie, bring me that file on Peru. And when he said Peru, I remembered Evelyn asking me about Peru. I remembered chuckling. And then I thought, I think I need to pray about Peru. And I did. That day I began to pray about Peru. And God just began confirming and reconfirming that that's where he wanted me to go. So I've been serving in Peru since 2008. And God has given me many opportunities to minister to children, teachers, university student, and the youth from the church that I attend. And so I'd like to walk you through some uh, pictures here from Peru. You can go to the next one. The first ministry that I've been ministering in is Child Hope. Before it was called Latin America Child Care, so it's had a name change and it's called Child Hope. And what it is is a network of Christian schools. And Child Hope exists in 21 countries throughout Latin America. And since it began, more than a million children have attended a Latin America, I mean a Child Hope school somewhere in Latin America. Now here you can see compassion, education, and transformation. And that's what it's all about. Ministries of compassion, showing these children the love of Jesus. Childhood, we're, we're schools, so of course we educate them. But transformation at the end of the day, if we don't share the good news of Jesus with them, we've not met their greatest need. So that's what Child Hope is all about. In Peru, we have six Child Hope schools. 
Next picture. This is one of our Child Hope schools in the city of Iquitos, which is uh, situated in the Amazon Basin. Uh, in Iquitos, you can only get there by boat or plane. So this is what our school looks like during dry season. But by the end of January, when the rains start and the three rivers overflow and start flooding this community, the next picture will show you what it looks like during rainy season. And that's when everybody gets out their boats and canoes and they, they put those plank boards um, and they make bridges out of them so people can walk from one side of the street to the other. And for the people in Iquitos, it's a way of life. And so to the children, rainy season is fun season. They get to get out their boats. They get to swim in the water. You and I would not want to swim in that water. Now, when I go and visit the schools during rainy season, I sit really still in those boats. And then on a couple of occasions, uh, some of the students from the school will get in the boat with us, and they're all playing around and just having a good time, and I'm thinking this thing's going to tip over. I just know it is. But... um. Rainy season in the jungle, it does provide challenges for our schools there. We've got two schools. Both of them do flood, but this school has flooded up to nine feet before, but the norm is six to seven. And so during rainy season, the elementary goes to school on the second floor in the morning and high school in the afternoon. Some of our schools only go through sixth grade because that's what the government requires, but we do have um, some schools that go through high school. Next picture. I just wanted to show you some pictures of um, our other school in Iquitos. There on the right, that's one of the classrooms. It's always a blessing to go and visit the classrooms because when you walk in, they immediately stand and greet you, and then it's like a mini praise and worship session. They go into praise and worship songs, uh, they'll recite scripture, poems, and it's just a great time to go and visit the schools. Now, in Iquitos, the weather can get up to 110 degrees and 80% plus humidity. Um, so I travel with bottled water and sweat towel. It's a requirement. Next picture. The first two weeks of December, we travel to the schools to do the Christmas parties. And uh, the, the children get a gift. And uh, we celebrate the birth of Jesus and what Christmas really means and uh, get to spend some time with some really neat kids and see a lot of smiling faces. Next picture. Okay, Red Universitaria. It means the university network. And this is a great ministry to uh, reach university students. Now... In Lima, there is a university, it's one of the oldest universities in Peru, and it's called San Marcos. Everybody say San Marcos. Okay, y'all are going to get a mini Spanish lesson here today. But we go in and offer a free English conversation group, and we call it Plugged In English. Now, at San Marcos, they had intermediate and advanced speakers. So when we went in and offered this free conversation class, they gave us a room and a time that they had open in the schedule. And we went in and we started teaching. Now, we teach them a little bit of grammar, 
because they like that and they want to learn more grammar. We test their listening skills on occasion because that's fun. But then for about 40 minutes, we pull out a sheet of paper that has a parable of Jesus written on it in English and then questions. And for 40 minutes, they're practicing their English, but they're talking about the Bible. And so we get a lot of interesting questions. One time this girl raised her hand in class and she said, I know you're a missionary and I know you're a Christian and I heard that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, but I don't understand why he had to. Can you explain that to me? And she was one of the really advanced speakers and so, yeah, we explained it to her. And that just opened up other students. They thought, well, if she's going to ask that question, I'm going to ask this one. It just opened up the whole class that day, and several of them had questions. And so instead of finishing the text that day, we just started answering their questions. And uh, you know what? These university students are hungry. We've had some that came to class, and they were very... Um, they were very willing to say that they were an atheist or an agnostic. But then after attending the class for a while, uh, we had one student that said, you know what, when I first started coming, I was an atheist, but now I'm just not so sure I want to believe that anymore. And even those people that knew we talked about the Bible for 40 minutes in class, they came back. Then they came back again. They were regulars. And so I know that God is really doing a work in the university students in Lima. And it's through this ministry that gives us the opportunity to use the Bible as our textbook. Amen. Next picture. This was a picture of one of the plugged-in English classes there in San Marcos. And as you can see, there's a couple non-traditional students, and that's because they advertise our class on their Facebook page, and so really it's, it's open to anybody. Anybody can come. Next picture. This was kind of a surprise uh, when I was in Peru. I uh, had, had a heart for some of the youth that was going to the church where I was attending, and so I thought, well, I'll invite them over for tacos one night. And so I did, and they came over. They ate up all the tacos. We had a good time. It was a great night. And then a couple days later, they texted me and asked me when they could come back to my house. And I said, well, okay, you can come again on Sunday night. And so it just became a Sunday night thing that the youth would come to Felicia's house. In Peru, they call me Felicia. And so... As you can see, it grew to more than five people, which was really great. And so I would take the information that I was using at the university with the parable and the questions. I would pull something like that out for Sunday night. And through studying the word with these youth, I found out that some were called to be pastors. There's one young couple that's been married a couple years, and they're called into missions. And God is really doing a great work in their life, and all of them are serving in some way in the local church there in Peru. Next picture. Chicas de Promesa. Everyone say chicas. Chicas. Chicas means girls. And uh, now Child Hope and the university ministry 
are ministries that are led by other missionaries in Peru, and they are still intact today, going strong. But when I go back to Peru in 2019, I will be focusing on Chicas de Promesa. And what Chicas de Promesa is, is it is an after-school program that targets fourth through sixth grade at-risk girls. Now, the reason why we're targeting fourth through sixth grade girls is because those are the grades right before they get into high school. And Chicas is a very important ministry for Peru because in Peru, at 1.30 in the afternoon, school lets out. And so you've got all of these students, boys and girls, that are leaving the locked gate of the school and walking home. They're walking home alone or they're walking home with a friend. Or they go to the market, they go to the park, maybe they go to the mall. But they're all unsupervised because their parents are still at work. So what Chicas de Promesa does is it creates a safe place for these girls, and they stay at school another hour and a half to two hours longer. And while we have them for that extra time, you can go ahead and go to the next. While we have them for that extra time, we're not just teaching them Bible stories, but we're dialoguing with these girls and we're talking about things that they might not talk about in a normal classroom setting. Things like purity, obedience, emotions. And it's things that these girls need to talk about. And maybe you're thinking, well, fourth grade, that's young, but it's really not. It's really not. These, these students grow up in poor gang neighborhoods in Peru. All of our childhood schools are located in poverty districts throughout Peru. And fourth grade is not too young. You see, when these girls go home, there could be an abuser that lives in the home. A lot of times in Latin America, it's not just the mom, the dad, and the children. It's the grandparents, the aunts and uncles, and their children, and the mom and dad and their children, and all these cousins that live under the same roof. So there could be an abuser in the home. There could be an abuser that lives down the street that knows that these girls are home alone until their parents get off work. And if these kids are out on the street unsupervised, then they're even at danger for being kidnapped, which opens them up to being vulnerable to the human trafficking network that is growing throughout the world, and Peru is no exception. So Chicas de Promesa works on the prevention side of that, and it takes away a lot of this alone time that these girls have, and it gives them supervision. But it doesn't just give them supervision. You can go to the next screen. We actually did a Chica's group last year in Peru for about six months. And you're probably thinking, well, those aren't fourth or sixth grade girls. And you're right, they're ninth and tenth grade girls. 
When I had presented Chica's to the school director, she said, this sounds like an excellent program. She said, but please take my high school girls. I'm losing my high school girls. And the director of the school knows the home life of each one of these girls, and she said, I want to give you 10 of my most at-risk high school girls. And I said, well, the program is written for elementary grades, but okay, we'll take your high school girls. So we adapted the program. We did the best we could. And a lot of the girls enjoyed it. We had one girl that came up to us towards the end of the school year, and she told us how much she was enjoying the class and that she was learning from it. And she asked if she could speak with us about something, and she shared a situation in her life with us. It was a situation where she was being bullied. And we prayed for her, we talked with her, and we kept following up with her every week until the school year ended. And uh, she was very grateful for the class. So we know the class works. We know that, that it gives opportunity for the missionaries and the other women that are going to be involved helping me. It gives us opportunity to walk alongside one of these girls in a difficult situation. It could be a situation um, like bullying. It could be an abusive situation. Uh, it could just be a situation. How many of us know how important it is to be encouraged from time to time? Encouragement goes a long way. And that's what these girls need. Next picture. So Chicas will create a safe place for girls after school. I remember when I was little and growing up and riding the bus to church. You see, my father was an alcoholic. And he could be very violent at times. And that's probably why when those women came and said, do you have any small children that want to go to children's church? I was like, yeah, get me out of the house. <laughs> you know, I just, I know the importance of needing a safe place. And so that's what Chicas will do. It will create a safe place for girls after school for up to two hours. And it will also help girls walk through difficult situations. We're going to be instilling biblical morals and values in them. But we're not just going to be teaching them the lessons and the stories of Esther and Ruth. We're going to be dialoguing and asking them, well, how does this story have anything to do with your life? What can we learn from it and how can we live it? Uh, cool games and object lessons, we do make it fun. We take them snacks and uh, affirm and encourage them. And most of all, we want to show them how much Jesus loves them because how many of us know that God has a plan and a purpose for their lives. Next, next slide, please. The verse for this ministry is Proverbs 31.25. She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. A lot of these girls feel like they are defined by the poverty that they live in or the situation of abuse that they're trapped in. But how many of us know that it's Jesus that defines us? He created us in our mother's womb in the secret place. And in that secret place, God knew every detail of our life. And these girls need to know who they are in Christ. Because it's the presence of God that's going to get them through every difficult situation that they face.
Next slide. I just want to thank you for your prayers and for your uh, continued support. You have been very faithful uh, for many years. But before I end this morning, I would like an opportunity to pray with you. So if everyone could bow your head, please. Maybe you're here today and maybe you find yourself in Luke chapter 5 somewhere. Maybe you're like Simon Peter and you're exhausted. Maybe you're frustrated. Are you feeling like a failure today in some area? Well, Jesus is here. And he wants to be in your boat. Maybe you're here today and you're like, well, you know, Phyllis, I know that God's been speaking to me and he has asked me to go out into deep water and I'm, I'm going, I'm all in. And maybe you're here today and you're like, you know what? I've gone out to that deep water and I've let down my nets and God did a miracle in my life. And that would mean he's calling us to go deeper still. So wherever you find yourself out at in Luke chapter 5 today, just wave your hand at me if you want the response of your heart to be master because you say so, I will. Let me see your hand if that is the desire of your heart. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, I just lift up, Father, your children today, Lord. God, you know every detail of their life. God, I pray for your strength. I pray for your boldness to be in them, Lord. And God, I pray, Father, that you would take them to places they never thought or imagined. God, lead them and guide them into your truth, Lord Jesus. And God, when you speak, may, may the response of all of our hearts be, Master, because you say so, I will. I thank you for each and every one today and what you're going to do in their life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.